Well, good morning. morning. You came back. (laughs) I'm so glad. I want to welcome you, and I want to say thank you for coming. And uh, so glad you came to worship with us today on this nice, cool day, right? (laughs) And I'll welcome everybody who's watching online, and I'm very thankful that you're joining us. And and I just want to say and remind you that if you're a guest here this morning, if this is your first or second or third time, and you're looking for a home church and you're trying to figure out where God wants you, the first thing I want to say to you is that we want you to be where God wants you to be. That's what matters. The second thing I want to say is that after the service, if you would go out to guest services, we've got some information for you. There's a gift for you just to say, hey, we would love for you to pray about making such community your permanent church home. So we're in a series that, say, that is called They Say, He Says. This series is based on conversations that I've had at the gym with people who probably are not what you would call believers, okay? Now, what's interesting about this is that I have learned a new technique in evangelizing. You know what it is? When I go into the gym, I tell them I'm going to talk about them. You know what happens? They watch. This last week, I had three people come up to me and say, you were talking about me, weren't you? To all three of them, I said, yes, I was. (laughs) But I'm so glad that you came back, and because we've been talking about some tough subjects, and maybe today as you came, you were in your steel-toed shoes. I hope so. But we've been talking about the the things that 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 the world has with us as a church and with us as Christians. And you know what? It's not fun, but I think it's really good that we take time and look at our blind spots, Right? Because one of the things I've found in my life is that not only do I have blind spots, but I have a blindness to my blind spots. And you know what? I am so thankful most of the time for God's Word and my wife who helped me to see those areas that I need to improve on. Last week we talked about being judgmental. And I know that doesn't impact you, but it certainly impacts me and I learned a lot from what God wanted to say. And so today, we're going to go down a different path. And it begins with a conversation that I had in the gym. I was having a conversation with a younger man, so I probably eliminated some people who are watching already. And what I had done is I had invited him to come to our church. His response to me probably wasn't what I expected. And then he said to me, why would I want to come to your church? Well, I said, because I'm inviting you. And then he said to me, he said, you know, Pastor Bob, I want you to know something. What I want you to know is that I have no problem with Jesus. In fact, I really believe that I I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. But my problem is what you do. My problem is in the church. Okay, I said, so tell me a little bit more. I mean, tell me what you mean by that. This is what he said. Because I know if I come to your church, I'm going to find what I find in every other church, which is a bunch of narrow-minded, judgmental, hypocritical people who say one thing and they do another. Okay, so tell me how you feel, right? (laughs) Now, I want you to know something that... God is also doing a work in my heart because like what we see in our country right now, 
there's this animosity and there's this desire to argue that is just under the surface, right? And you know what? As Christians, we've got to grab home of our tongue. What's one of the fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. And for me, it's the hardest thing. That tongue that we have is one of the hardest things for us to control. Amen? All right, just a few of us. That's good. But here's what I want you to understand and know when I was listening to this young man. The very first thing that came to my mind was this. This is exactly the issue that the world has with the church, with us as Christians. That we say one thing and we do another. That's the issue. And so in that moment, I kind of grabbed hold of myself and I thought to myself, you know what? He's right. Because from his perspective, this is what he knows. And I'm not going to change his mind by just showering him with a bunch of facts. In his experience, this is what he's experienced. So I told him, I said, you're right. We can be narrow-minded. We can be judgmental. And Lord knows we can be hypocritical. And just so you know, I'm probably one of the worst. I want to just say to you something that one of the things I've learned in evangelism is this. You can't argue with somebody who won't argue with you. Have you learned that in life? You can't argue with people that won't argue with you. And I'm refusing to argue with people. And so I told them, you're exactly right. But as I walked away, I thought about something. And you know what I thought about? We still have a chance as a church with people who think like that. You know why? You know what he was saying? He was saying, you're supposed to be the standard bearer, right? I love that. He's looking at me. He's looking at us. He's saying, as the church, you are the ones who are supposed to be the example. And he's 100% right. And I believe that in our world today, if you were to ask them, they would say to us, if you would just live like what you say you believe, we wouldn't have a problem with you. But I want you to know they're looking at us for the standard. And I really believe this with all of my heart. I believe that the people out there looking at us as Christians are saying, I'm hoping that you will be what you say you're supposed to be and what this book tells me you're supposed to be. I'm hoping that you will be that. But when you're not, I'm disappointed. And I'm not sure where I'm going to find my hope. And so I get angry. And so I lambast you as Christians and I take it out on you. Hmm. The world simply just is saying to us, would you just live like what you say you are? In other words, I believe what the world is saying is this. Hey, Pastor Bob, I'm looking at you, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of difference between you and me. And that's a problem. Barna did a survey, and they surveyed people 25 years old and younger, and they asked them, what's the word that comes to your mind when you think of church? Okay? Here's where the top three words were. Number one, controversy. Number two, division. Number three, scandal. You guys, if we don't change something quick, 
we're going to lose a generation. Now, I want you to look at something. Brennan Manning is an author, and I want you to look and see at what he says here. Look at this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But I want you to know that this is what the unbelieving world simply sees as unbelievable. But you know who else thought like that? And who has an issue with that? Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus had a real issue with people who said one thing and did another. In fact, he had a name for them. He called them hypocrites. Now listen to this. 17 times in the New Testament, Jesus uses the word hypocrite. And on every single one of them, he uses it in a negative way. But you want to know something funny? Most of the time when he was talking about hypocrites, he was talking about pastors and leaders in the church. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, through your spirit and in his power, may my inside look exactly like my outside. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you were watching the news this last week, across the ocean, there was a big party going on in the United Kingdom, wasn't there? What were they doing? They were celebrating the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth, right? They were celebrating 70 years of faithful service to the crown. For 70 years, this woman has devoted her life to the throne, to the monarchy. Well, that always means that they're going to have a big party, and, you know, the British believe that nobody throws a party like they do, okay? Now, one of the things that's interesting about this is that whenever they have big celebrations like this, all of the family of the monarchy get together, don't they? And what do we all know about Queen Elizabeth's family? There's a few struggles in there, aren't there? There's a little bit of division in there. And it basically is around a couple different subjects, but one of the things that I want to just mention is the struggle between Prince Harry and Meghan and the rest of the family. You see, they said, told the rest of the family, we really don't want to be like you anymore, and we're going to move to the United States. So they came back. After the Thanksgiving service, did you see what happened? When they came down, you know what some of the people did? They booed them. How would you like to be booed? 
You're part of the family, and yet when you walk out, everybody knows and has heard what you have said, and they booed them. And you know what? Whenever there was a family meeting, whenever the family was out on the balcony, you know what? Harry and Meghan had to be separated from them. They didn't even let them sit with them because they didn't want anything to take the focus off of the purpose of the celebration. When they left, and they left early and went home, the newspapers blasted them. And you know what the headline was on the front page? It talked about the hypocrisy of Harry and Meghan. Now, what were they talking about? Well, they were talking about a lot of things, but their biggest issue with them was this. With your words, you talk about the carbon footprint, but yet in your actions, you fly these expensive private jets all over the world. Now, what were they upset about? They were upset about this, that their actions and their words did not match up. Take a look at this. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to be something that they are not. In fact, the word hypocrite means, it denotes that of an actor. It literally means someone who hides behind a mask. Now, what's the purpose of hiding behind a mask? It's to deceive, right? And I want you to look at that. Hypocrisy is the fruit of pride. It lacks truthfulness and its intent is to deceive. This is why Jesus had a problem with hypocrisy. Because it's not truth and its goal is to deceive others. I want you to think about something. So in the Pew Research, Lead Us Pew Research, they were doing another um, a survey on the younger generation, okay? And they just asked, and they were 25 and under, just like the first one, they asked them, when they heard the word church or Christianity, what's the first word that came to their mind? 85% of them said, hypocrisy. Now you think that's bad, What they also found out is that within the church, the young people within the church, 50% of them, half of the young people in the church said the exact same thing. When you talk about the church, when you talk about Christianity, you know what I've seen? Hypocrisy. I think that that's something that we should be very concerned about. I can remember when I was teaching a class, it was almost at the end of the year, and I was just kind of spent wasting time before the bell was about to ring, and I just asked the question, so tell me something. What is it that you've learned in this class? Or what have you learned here at this school? And one girl raised her hand, and here's what she said to me. She goes, Mr. B, I've learned how to be a hypocrite. Threw me completely off. What do you mean? So afterwards, we stayed and we talked. And I said, tell me, what do you mean by that? That you've learned how to be a hypocrite? And this is what she said. I've learned from the people that I look up to how to look like a Christian and act like a Christian without really being a Christian from my heart. That broke my heart. So I want you to look at this scripture verse here in Matthew chapter 23. Look at this. 
It says, woe to you leaders. Now, I want you to know that in this part of Scripture, there are seven woe to you. And Jesus is very explicit. He is getting a point across. Because what we're finding out, if you want to get Jesus ticked off, if you want to push his buttons, talk about hypocrisy. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. So here's the question. What was it that Jesus, that got Jesus so upset about hypocrites? Okay, there's two things that I want you to learn. Here's the first one. They do not practice what they preach. That's the first one. And here's the second one. What they do, they do for show. Now, I just want you to think about your life right now, okay? Do you practice what you preach? And the second thing is, when you do something good, when you do something at the church, when you're doing something for Jesus, are you really doing it for the right motive or are you just doing it because you want other people to see what's happening? You see, this is the issue that Jesus had the problem with. This is the fact what Jesus despised. He despised that when we talk the talk, but we did, when we didn't walk the walk, that's when Jesus had a problem. Only he says it a different way. And here's what he says. He says it to the Pharisees. He says, you Pharisees, what you worry about and what you spend all your time on is how the outside of the cup looks. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because in doing this, you know what you're doing. You know that what makes the vessel unclean is not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside that makes that vessel unclean. And yet you continue to show and to demonstrate to all of the people that it's what's on the outside that makes you different. So here's what that means. In life... If your inside is unclean, guess what? We will always see it in your actions. My friends, there is no such thing as a secret sin. You may think that you're fooling people, and for a while you may get away with it, but God knows what's going on in your heart. And because your heart may be unclean, it will be seen in your actions. But it also means this. Even if the outside of your cup is clean, your inside actions will give way to the motives of your heart. What was Jesus saying? Here's what he was saying. It's all about the heart. It's all about what's going on on the inside of the vessel. Look at this. So what's the cure for hypocrisy? Well, take a look at this. The f Oops, it went away. Okay, let's go back one more here. Okay, what's the cure for hypocrisy, okay? We, there's a slide that should be in between there. Here, let me just share with you what it is, okay? You have to clean up your private life. In other words, what it means this is Jesus tells us through the apostle Peter, he says, be holy as I am holy, right? Remember that? Now, I want you to think about something. The problem that Jesus had was when your private life and your and your 
public life didn't match up. How many of you have heard of a man by the name of Lee Strobel? You've heard of him now because he's in ministry, right? But you know what? There was a time when Lee Strobel was just an investigative reporter. He was living in Chicago. And you know what? Lee Strobel tells us he hated Christians. You know why he hated them? Because he felt like they were not real. Guess what happened? His wife became a believer. Oh, did it make him mad. And so what he decided to do as an investigative reporter is he was going to go on a, on a, on a, on a re, uh, he was going to go on an investigation and he was going to prove to his wife that Christianity was wrong. There was just a bunch of fakes. And he tells us this is what he hated about Christianity. Okay, take a look at this. The folks who chased me away from the faith were cosmetic Christians. They had skin-deep spirituality that looked pretty good on the outside, but didn't penetrate deep enough to change their behaviors and attitudes. Frankly, I don't think anything repulses people like the hypocrisy of cosmetic Christians. Wow. Those are tough words, aren't they? And I don't know about you, but when I saw those words, I took that personally. But not in a way that I was offended, but in a way that what God was telling me was this, Bob, you need to look at some of the reasons why you do the things that you do. Because remember, Bob, I look in the places that nobody sees. I want you to look at something here. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, did you just see what happened there? Everything in those verses that the Lord gives us talks about the secret place, the unseen place. You know what? I don't know about your life, but I can remember there was a time when I thought that I had two lives. I had the one that I lived on the outside, and then I had this other life that nobody saw. And I want to know that I really believed that I could keep it private and nobody would ever know about it. But I learned real quickly that can't happen. My dad had a hand that just taught me that very well on the backside, okay? But here's what I learned. I learned in life that what the Lord is most concerned about is not all of the things that I do in public. It's not the preaching. It's not the giving. It's not the praying. It's not the fasting. You know what matters most to him? What goes on in my heart? It's the place that you don't see. It's the place that I thought nobody saw, but there are two individuals that see what's going on. And you know what one of them is, is me. And you know who the other one is? The other one is God. And God says, what I care most about in your life, Bob, is the part that nobody else sees. So I needed to fix that. And I needed to learn how to fix that. 
How do I become a man of integrity? How do I become a man of character? How do I become a man who, as he says, he also lives? How do you become that? And I got to tell you one thing, I'm still on that journey. My family knows that. I still make mistakes, just like you do. But I'm a lot farther down on that road simply because of one thing that I've learned, okay? And I want to show you this. Pastor Aaron, would you bring that up to me, please? I want to show you this. Bob Barker's got nothing on me. (laughs) Here's what I want you to see, okay? What I did is I just filled the glass with some coffee grounds, okay? And you can see that it's pretty dirty. It's pretty murky, isn't it? This is what my heart looks like. It's filled with sin. I've been dealing with it from the very moment that I was conceived. My flesh wants to do one thing and my spirit wants to do something completely different. And you know what? The Lord Jesus tells me, Bob, I want you to be holy just like I'm holy. And I'm sitting there thinking, how in the world can that happen? I can't do it on my own. In fact, I can't do it. So who do I rely on? I have to rely on the Lord. You know what? There is no way that I could go in here and pick out every little piece of dirt and begin to pull it out so that I can cleanse my my cup, my glass, right? But I want you to know I've tried to do that. Haven't you? Haven't you tried to clean up your life and you tried to do it on your own? You try and reach in there and you try and take care of all those little things that are in your life and you try and get rid of them, but what happens? They just keep coming in and the cup never gets clean. And then I learned something. I learned the power of God's word. I learned the power of scripture. When the Bible tells us that God's word is God breathed, you know what? It means it. When the Bible tells us that God's word is powerful and it cuts deep, even to the deepest places, when I see the power of God's word in people's lives, you know what? I started simply doing one thing. I just started drinking from the cup of God's word. And so here's what happened. All I did is day by day, sometimes once, sometimes twice, sometimes three times, maybe I'd skip a day and then I'd come back, but what I simply did is I just started reading God's word. And before I read it, this is what I said, Lord, change me from the inside out. Well, what happened? I just began to pour in God's word And I kept pouring, 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 and I kept pouring. And look what happened. My heart got cleaner, not because of anything I did, but totally because of what Jesus Christ, through his spirit, did in my life. And I want to tell you, my friends, just like me, I know that as long as I'm living on this earth, I'm going to struggle with my flesh. But the recipe that God has given me is his word. And as I read his word, his word changes. It cleanses me from the inside out.
Here's the second thing. We're almost done. Let the world see humility. You know what? One of the biggest turnoffs, I believe, to the world is pride. When we start walking around and we think that we're better than other people and we are judgmental, you know what I've learned? The best thing that we can do is stay humble because that's what Jesus was. So what does that mean? It means that we become a servant. It means that if you're in the gym, that you're picking up somebody else's weights. It means that if you're in the gym and there's a guy who has cerebral palsy or has some physical issue and he can't lift weights, that means that you go and help him. Why? Because we want to be servants. And you know what the Bible promises? The Bible promises this. If you lower yourself, then God will raise you up. Sometime when you go to somebody's house, I want to challenge you with something. Go find the most uncomfortable chair Go find the last seat at the table and watch what happens. They will, as the Bible says, they will invite you. No, come and sit in my chair. No, come down here and sit. That's how God wants us to live our lives. But I want to end with this. Look at what Jesus says here. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others so they can be seen by men. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay? So Jesus is telling us, if you're doing what you're doing so that other people will see you, there's no reward in it. Then he goes on. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. <laughs> it's Dollar Club Sunday, right? <laughs> I'm putting in $2, right? As with the hypocrites that do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You know what Charles Spurgeon used to say about that? He used to say this, when you're in public, make your prayers short. But when you're alone in your closet, pray all day long. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, here's what this means. The Pharisees had three things in their lives that they did regularly, okay? They prayed, they fasted, and they gave. And in those three ways, they made sure that everybody who was around saw what they were doing. That's what this verse is talking about. So here's what Jesus is saying they've already gotten their reward. But here's what I want you to do. When the offering plate comes around, take something out of your pocket and slide it in and pass it on. When you're praying, bear everything. You don't have to go and raise your hands in front so everybody can see you and hear these long prayers. No, let's do that in private. Let's you and I talk about that in private. And the last thing is when you're fasting, which they did every Monday and Thursday in their Pharisee, in their Pharisaic law. Every Monday and Thursday, here's what Jesus is saying. Get up early and take a shower. Shave. Look like you're refreshed. And then go in the public and don't tell anybody what you're doing. And your Father who's watching you in the unseen world will heap rewards upon you. I want to go back to that one, that young man, one last time. As we were having the conversation and I invited him to church, here's what he said. 
why would I want to come to church and meet all those hypocrites? I thought for a second, and then I said this. I'm not inviting you to church to introduce you to a bunch of people. I'm inviting you to church to introduce you to Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be about. Not about us, but about Him. 